Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
בוכני בשוליים, אדון השוליים, לכנו לחסד ולרחמים לחיים טובים ולשוליים. בוכני בשוליים, אדון השוליים, לכנו לחסד ולרחמים לחיים טובים ולשוליים. בסעיף קוידוסי ויש כל בני ביסי, ויש כל עמך ביסי ישראל. בסעיף קוידוסי, ויש כל בני ביסי.
J.M. in the A.M. with Cantor, Natanel Hirschstick, and Vishamru. Pretty amazing, huh? That's quite a selection, to say the least, here at J.M. in the A.M. Uh, before that, you heard Shlomi uh, Toysik with Kol HaMesameach. We'll take this opportunity to wish uh, Andrea and Rabbi Chaim a mazel tov. We were at the uh, wedding celebration last night. It was quite beautiful, to say the least. It was actually... Uh, in New Jersey, and uh, just a beautiful celebration with an incredible backdrop. Some of you may have seen the um, the photos of the beautiful the beautiful scenes of New York City in the background, and the uh, great uh, vocalist Shulam Lemmer, who uh, really was uh, spectacular last night. So a mazel tov to um, Andrea and uh, Rabbi Chaim from all of us here <laughs> at JM in the AM. Shlomi Toysig with Kolom HaSameach. Me'ain done by the Weinrib brothers, Yehuda Greens, Barcheni, Rock Biacha, that's Benny Friedman, Shlomo Katz, Hadley Krat Shabbat, Bowie done by the Moshav Band, Yerachmiel begun the Miami Boys Choir, had Lebedik and Regesh from Modani opening things up, and we say good morning. Welcome to a Friday. Here we go. This is uh, yet another Friday. What was that? There we go. Uh, this is yet, yet another Friday in the brand new year of 5783 as we get set for Parshas Noach. Uh, it's the 28th of October, day three in the month of Mar Cheshvan. And again, it is Erev Shabbos Parshas Noach, candle lighting in New York at 537. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Again, candle lighting in New York, 537. Make sure you know when things start where you are. We'll bench Bahab this coming Shabbos. 
Oh, does Israel change the standard time? Ooh, Israel changes the standard time tomorrow night? That's good to know. That's really good to know. Um, so it'll be a six-hour difference, I guess. Right next week will be a six-hour difference between New York and Israel. Uh, we bench Bahab uh, tomorrow, if you're not familiar with the Bahab um, uh, custom, Monday, Thursday, and then Monday after a Sukkot, then uh, consult with your local rabbi. Uh, but that's uh, that's an important thing to keep in mind. If candle lighting in Israel is early this week, next week it's really going to be early. Oh, boy. I have to speak to Avrami about that. I have a feeling he's on top of that already. Hey, Avrami, confirm it for me if you don't mind that they're changing the clock in Israel uh, over this weekend. Very important information, to say the least. Luckily, luckily, you listen to Jam in the AM, folks. <laughs> to get info like this, especially as it relates to our friends and relatives in the Holy Land. Uh, Jam in the AM, Friday, Erev Shabbos. Harry Rothenberg coming up. Parshas Noach, Rabbi Yudin in hour number three. Parshas Noach, Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman, Conference of Presidents and Major American Jewish Organizations. He'll join us coming up in the uh, second hour with the weekly update. We'll see what else we could fit in between now and 9 o'clock. At 10 a.m. this morning, Kedem presents the Arab Shabbos show with Mark Zamek. That is a uh, an amazing three-hour program dedicated to Parshas Noach and um, Arab Shabbos. Tomorrow night, Saturday night, Siegel with Avrami and Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler. Sunday, it's Matis with JM Sunday beginning at 7 a.m. Eastern time. Oh, there's a lot going on. Next week, I'm at the Ufruf. Next week, I'm at my future son-in-law's Ufruf. And I believe Matis is sitting in next Friday. I gotta, I gotta check out. It's either May or Ferdig or Matis. Gotta check the schedule and um, let you know what's happening. And in terms of a weekly update, obviously it won't happen next Friday. But we're, we'll see if we can get some comments from Malcolm Honline regarding the, um, regarding the elections in Israel. The elections taking place this coming Tuesday. We'll see if we can get some type of review afterwards from him got to figure out how to do that if it if if it is at all possible uh we'll see what the story is with that um feel free to comment on the app go to the nsn now home single network app for android and iphone and comment away listener tikva says shalom and shabbat shalom and we say the same to her of course over in israel speaking of israel uh listener devora says yes we are changing which uh confirms what I said, they are actually changing the clock tomorrow night in Israel to go to standard time. It'll be a six-hour difference between Israel and the U.S. of A, at least the New York part of the U.S. of A. So keep that in mind. Hey, those of you in the Teaneck area, remember there's a child in the Teaneck community in urgent need of a kidney donor. There'll be swabbing locations this coming Sunday, October the 30th, under the leadership of Renewal. Uh, starting at 9 a.m. at Grand in Essex, at Patisse Bakery on Cedar Lane, and at Lazy Bean Cafe. Starting at 8.30 in the morning at Congregations B'nai Yishurin, uh, Beth Abraham, Beth Aaron, Renat Yisrael, Beth Shalom, Young Israel of Teaneck, Kesher Center, Jewish Center of Teaneck, and the Base Medrash of Bergenfield, all swabbing between 8.30 and 12.30. Um, help our friends at Renewal continue to uh, find superheroes Continue to find uh, incredible donors uh, for those in need of kidneys. Go to Renewal.org for information. Renewal.org for information. 
You can see past kidney donor stories on social media at Renewal News, at Renewal News. And again, if you're in the Teaneck area this coming Sunday, make sure to get swabbed and make sure to spread the word. If you're listening right now and you're in Bergen County, tell your friends, tell your relatives, tell those who sit next to in shul, tell your children and grandchildren, tell your parents and grandparents, tell everybody out there about the swabbing, how uh, all these multiple uh, locations are going to be doing it this Sunday. And um, and uh, do what you can to make sure to get to one of those swabbings. Listener, Daniela. Hey, Daniela. Guess who I saw last night at the uh, Andrea Rabbi Chaim wedding? Um, I have a feeling she can guess. And your name came up. How do you like that? Listener, Daniela confirms we are changing the clocks tomorrow night. And listener Devorah says it was fun to listen to Avrami broadcasting from down the road earlier this week. <laughs> is Avrami down the road? I guess I guess in a way he is down the road from Devorah. Yeah, that's funny. Um, yeah, the Avrami was great, and we thank him for sitting in. And uh, he, you don't know, he, you, we have no idea. He may be doing it again uh, as we take some time off over the next couple of weeks for the big simcha. More coming up. You're listening to a Friday morning Erev Shabbos. This is JM in the AM.
from uh, Brother Righteous, Righteous Noah. Brother Righteous, Righteous Noah. Come on, get up, you. Well, uh, it it, it wasn't very sunny. The rain was kind of like like a big stream. Yeah, that's it, like a stream. Ah, tell us in your own words. A decree last night came from God up in the heavens. There'll be a change in this world that's gone so wrong. I got some wood and I hammered so he might save me. But the people laughed and still kept doing wrong. For the people all said, Come round, come round, he's making a boat. The people all said, Come round, come round, he's making a boat. And the animals came on under two or seven pairs, came on the boat. Come round, come round, come round, come round, come round, he's making a boat. For 40 days and nights, I said the rain would pour from heaven. And even though I said, people, please enlist, there they all stood. My pleading went unheeded. Soon they all disappeared into the mist. For the people all said, don't care, we're not going on your ship. People all said, don't care, we're not going on your ship. And the animals came on under. And as I looked, the rain had stopped from heaven. <laughs> A little dove came, and I sent her overboard. And I gave thanks, and I hollered, God did save me. Then I planted a new vineyard on the shore. And I said to them, all come round, come round, I'm making a boat. I said to them, all come round, come round, I'm making a boat. And they ended up six feet under, couldn't even stay above and float. Come round, come round, come round, come round, come round, he's making a boat.
JM in the AM, that might sum it all up in terms of Parsha's Noah. Come round, he's making a boat. Schlock rock here at JM in the AM. Before that, Yaakov Shweki and Birchas Habayas. You heard Rishamru. That was Natanel Hirshtik here at JM in the AM. Uh, wrapping up hour number one at America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSegal.com on the NachumSegal Network. And, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Keep in mind, our friends at Renewal are holding swabbings in the Teaneck area this coming Sunday. Uh, specifically trying to find a kidney match for a child in the community. Uh, starting at uh, 8.30 in the morning, congregations B'nai Shurin, Beth Abraham, Beth Aaron, Renat Yisrael, Beth Shalom, Young Israel of Teaneck, Kesher Center, Jewish Center of Teaneck, and Base Medrash of Bergenfield will all have swabbings uh, from 9 a.m. until 1.30 at Grand in Essex, Patisse Bakery and Cedar Lane, and Lazy Bean Cafe will all be having. Go to Renewal.org for information. Let's try to save the life and get a kidney donor for a uh, youngster in the uh, community of Teaneck, New Jersey. Again, renewal.org for information. Feel free to comment on the app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. They change the clock in Israel tomorrow night. Oh, Devorah says she works in Beit Shemesh, as he's literally down the road from Avrami. That's funny. Um, feel free to comment on the app, and they do change the clock tomorrow night in Israel. They'll go to standard time. It'll be a six-hour difference for a couple of weeks between the New York time zone and Israel. And we'll try to remind you uh, through the week about that. Candle lighting at 537 in New York. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Again, 537 in New York on this era of Shabbos Parshas. Noach, we bench Bahab um, this Shabbos. The Monday, Thursday, Monday tradition following Sukkot. If you're not familiar with that, consult with your local rabbi. Galaitz on the background. We'll do our news from Israel coming up. Malcolm Honeline in the weekly update. That'll be happening at 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time. Harry Rothenberg on Parshas Noach in just a few minutes. Or by Yudin on Parshas Noach in hour number three. It's all coming up. Galaitz Al, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast next. Boker Tov from JM and the AM. Galaitz Al, Asha Stein, Baulpan Ayelet Riest, Ima Shekore Achshav. Tunat Avodah Betel Aviv. פועל בניין בן 54 נפצע קשה כשנפל מגובה באתר בנייה באזור יד אליהו. כתבתנו אנה פינס מוסרת כי צוות של מגן דוד אדום פינה אותו לבית החולים איכילוב כשהוא סובל מחבלות בחזה ובגפיים. בתאונה בירושלים פועל בן 55 נפל מגג של מבנה בשכונת עיר גנים ונפצע בנוני. הוא פונה לבית החולים הדסה אין קרם. וברמת גן, פועל בן 35 נפל מגובה באתר בנייה ברחוב אחד העם. הוא פונה לבית החולים שיבא בתל השומר במצב בינוני. תושב קריית מוצקין, בן 39, נעצר בחשד שהצית לפני בוקר אדם אחר, בן 30, ופצע אותו אנוש. הפצוע, דר רחוב, פונה לבית החולים רמב״ם, שם מסרו כי הוא סובל מקביעות בכל חלקי גופו. כתבנו קובי מנדל מעדכן כי החשוד במעשה מוכר למשטרה והוא יובא היום להערכת מעצר בבית משפט השלום בחיפה. פעיל שמאל, חייל צהל בחופשה, נעצר בדרום הר חברון בחשד שיידע אבנים לעבר כוח צהל במהלך חיכוך בין חיילים לבין פלסטינים ואזרחים ישראלים. הרמטכ"ל רב-אלוף אביב כוכבי אמר כי מדובר בהתנהגות עבריינית מבישה ומחפירה והוסיף כי חיילי צהל פועלים בנחישות נגד הטרור כדי להגן על אזרחי מדינת ישראל ולא ייתכן שאותם אזרחים יתקפו אותם באלימות. כתבינו שחר גליק ודורון קדוש מוסרים כי חשוד הועבר להמשך טיפול של משטרת ישראל.
במשרד הנציב העליון של האו"ם לזכויות האדם אומרים כי הם מודאגים מיחסה של איראן למפגינים שנעצרו במחאות נגד המשטר. כך מדווחת סוכנות הידיעות רויטרס. במסיבת עיתונאים של המשרד בז'נבה נמסר כי הרשויות העירניות מסרבות להעניק לעצורים טיפול רפואי וכי הרשויות מחזיקות בגופות של מפגינים שנהרגו במחאות ומעבירות אותן למשפחות ההרוגים בתנאי שלא יערכו הלוויה ולא ידברו עם התקשורת. ארגוני זכויות אדם מדווחים כי לפחות 250 מפגינים נהרגו ואלפים נעצרו בהפגנות שהחלו באיראן בעקבות מותה של מאסה אמיני שנהרגה במהלך מעצר משטרתי. תחזית מזג האוויר לסיום, מחר צפויה עלייה בטמפרטורות והיא חם מהרגיל לעונה. אלה החדשות שעורכת ענבל אלבז.
J.M. and the A.M. with Lipa. Melech Malche Hamalachim, the selection on a uh, Friday morning era of Shabbos. Before that, Yoni Z with Bowie Vishalom. Harry Rothenberg has a word or two regarding Parshas Noah. Here he is in a Friday morning era of Shabbos. And, oh. Wait a second. Here he is on a. There we. Uh, there we go. Here he is on a Friday morning erev Shabbos at JM in the AM. The forecast for this week's parsha calls for rain, lots of it. There's a flood and it wipes out the entire world. It only lasts forty days and nights. But Noah and his family have to stay on the ark an entire year until finally God says, "All right, leave the ark with your family and take the animals off with you." And then we're told the first thing that Noah does when he leaves the ark after that full year on it is he builds an altar, takes the kosher animals and birds, and brings sacrifices to God. And then we're told that God smelled a pleasing fragrance and said, I will never again wipe out humanity. And then he later gives Noah a sign to show his covenant. It's a sign we still have today, the rainbow. One commentator says, it's not random that first Noah brings the sacrifices and then God says, I'm never going to wipe out humankind again. It's a cause and effect. God sees Noah get off that ark. After a year that the sages tell us involved no sleep, Noah and his family were up 24-7 feeding the animals, some of them during the day, some of them at night. And he gets off the ark. And instead of doing what 
I would do and probably you would do, which would be build a bed and take the longest nap ever. The first thing he does is he puts aside his own concerns and those of his family and the job of rebuilding humanity and he builds an altar and brings sacrifices to God. And God sees that and says, that's what he did. Put aside his own concerns, put me first. I am never ever again going to destroy humanity because of him. You see from here that one act of a human, and not an act that's even that unbelievable, he built an altar and he brought some sacrifices, can have cosmic effect. Noah's sacrifices saved humanity for the duration of human history to come, the entire future. God's never again going to bring another flood because Noah, instead of doing the easy thing or the convenient thing or what may have been the selfish thing, although understandable, put God first. We have the same opportunity all the time. Come home after a very long day and you are so tired, but you go out to pray to God. It's a late night, it's the next morning, and oh, do you wanna hit the snooze button? But instead you get out of bed and you go pray and you go study and you write those checks to charity. Not easy to do that, but God said so. And we say, God, I know what I'd like to do. I know what the easy thing to do is, the convenient thing to do is, and even the understandable thing. Hey, I'm allowed to look out for number one and my family, but instead, I'm putting aside my concerns and I'm putting you first. He smells the pleasing fragrance of those actions and the reward and the difference that it can make in the world is incalculable. Stuck here with the sound of rain, the stand. 
Jam in the AM, Micha Mocha, done by uh, Aryeh Kunstler. Before that, Yoshi Fruchter and Company with Noah's song. Um, that's quite a song, huh? Yeah, it goes way back, but uh, I'd like to pull that out for Parshas Noah. My thanks to Harry Rothenberg, who joined us earlier on JM in the AM with his words about Parshas Noah. Malcolm Holmline coming up, Rabbi Yudin coming up. It's Friday, after all, here at JM in the AM. There's a child from the Teaneck community in urgent need of a superhero, a kidney donor. And Renewal has arranged for swabbing locations for this coming Sunday, and I hope that all of you out there will be um, taking the opportunity to be swabbed. Uh, from 9 a.m. until 1.30 at Grand and Essex at Patisse Bakery on Cedar Lane and at the Lazy Bean Cafe. From 8.30 in the morning until 12.30 at Congregations B'nai Yishurin, Beth Abraham, Beth Aaron, Renat Yisrael, Beth Shalom, Young Israel of Teaneck, Kesher Center, Jewish Center of Teaneck, and the base Medrash of Bergenfield. Those are all swabbing centers this coming Sunday for a renewal in search of a kidney donor for a, um, for a child in the community, in the Teaneck community. Renewal.org for information on social media at Renewal News. Again, Renewal.org. Uh, but again, at all those locations in Teaneck this coming Sunday, an opportunity to be swabbed. We asked everybody to make sure to do so. And uh, potentially you could be a kidney donor uh, and save the life of a child in our community, which would be absolutely amazing, obviously. JM and the AM, good morning. Uh, weekly update on the way and plenty more on a Friday era of Shabbos. Uh, next week, I am at the Ufruf uh, of my future son-in-law, please God. Eitan's Ufruf. So we will be um, in the hands here at JM and the AM of uh, some amazing substitute hosts, including uh, Matis and uh, Mayor Fertig and... Uh, Avrami, if necessary, <laughs> and uh, I want to thank them in advance, of course, and um, looking forward to the big Simcha Baruch Hashem, and I thank everybody who's been tossing uh, good wishes our way. It's much appreciated. I want to thank um, oh, Rabbi Klibanoff, Eitz Chaim, in Livingston, New Jersey. I was a guest uh, yesterday on his uh, riding with the rabbi broadcast um and um i don't remember the episode number but it was pretty significant he's done a lot of them already and i want to thank him for his longtime friendship and give a special thank you to everybody at eight time in livingston new jersey for the incredible love and friendship that they've demonstrated to us here over the decades and especially in light of the uh, fire details if you watch the show then you'll know what i mean they uh we had such generous and incredible reaction from around the world. And I'm not minimizing any of that, but Eitz Chaim in Livingston just went beyond uh, in supporting us in the aftermath of that tragedy. So I can't thank them enough. And uh, a big thank you to Rabbi Klibanoff as well. And we mentioned the big Simcha because of the wedding coming up, and I neglected to mention my new granddaughter, <laughs> who is now three months old, Baruch Hashem. I think today is three months, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so... Uh, yeah, I don't know how I left her out of that broadcast, frankly. But anyway, <laughs> Esther Liel, I am thinking of you constantly, that I can tell you. Um, anyway, so a major, major thank you to Rabbi Kilbanoff, and I hope that uh, everybody who sees it enjoys uh, the exchange that we had for a few minutes during the uh, Riding with the Rabbi presentation. More coming up. It's Friday. It's JM in the AM. Wait a second. I had... I had 
I think I hit the wrong list there for a second. Um, I don't know what happened. I apologize for that. Sometimes you hit the wrong button, you know what I mean? It does happen, believe it or not. Um, yeah, I know, even after all these many years, it still happens. More coming up. It's JM and the AM with Zusha.
The Shabbos medley done by David Dax. Zusha had Yoel's Nigun before that. JMM, good morning. Friday, Erev Shabbos. Big shout out to our friends at JewishWorldReview.com. If you're looking for thousands of articles to print out before Shabbos to become even better educated about Israel and the Jewish world, and uh, check out JewishWorldReview.com. Great resource to um, get those articles and read up on what's happening in Israel and the Jewish world, and uh, they will keep you very busy. If you're looking for material, they'll keep you very busy. And a big thank you to JewishWorldReview.com who continue to promote our incredible network among their uh, hundreds of thousands of readers. Malcolm Holmline is vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Fridays for the weekly update. Mr. Holmline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. As always, great to be with you. Appreciate that. Uh, last week we ended with this topic. I didn't think it would become an even bigger topic this week, but we'll start with it for those who are earlier morning listeners and may not have heard your comments. What could you tell us uh, uh, about your impressions uh, regarding the episode of Kanye this week? Well, I think that there are various aspects to it that uh, don't get much discussion. I mean, obviously, because he's a celebrity and he uh, has a huge following and got tens of thousands of supportive messages uh, following his outrageous anti-Semitic rants and they have to be described for what they are. This is not a questionable thing where somebody slipped uh, slip of the tongue where he's consistently reiterated his uh, anti-Semitic, uh, hateful views, Jew, Jew hatred uh, spewing from him. And, you know, this influences the millions who follow him and who uh, listen to him. And I think especially young people. So 
we can't just dismiss this <clears throat> as another incident and those who, who would argue, and I do in some cases too, believe that you know we don't pick up every fight and we don't uh, pursue it. I think the message to many will be clear that if you engage in Jew hatred, there will be a price to pay. Too many others did not pay a price for their anti-Semitism, but here the decision of Adidas and many of the other companies to sever their ties with him is a very important signal. I think secondly, it certainly brings the debate and the uh, issue to the forefront and those who, who still try to minimize the danger, I think uh, through him have come to realize it, although I think that the threat on campuses and other places should have made them aware and should have aroused the concern and, and reaction. When we see the United Nations engaging in blatant anti-Semitism with a commission of inquiry that run by people who have made anti-Semitic comments and anti-Israel comments, it's um, it, in the, the rampant nature of, of anti-Semitism today that the, this case has brought it to the fore. I think that, um, you know, we don't know what the net effect of it is. And I listen to some of the talk shows and the call-ins and you hear people reacting on both sides of the issue, but a lot who justify him and who then I heard a, <clears throat> somebody who I think is sympathetic generally saying, well, there is a group in Washington, in California of agents who happen to be Jewish, but you don't blame all the Jews for it, but they are Jewish. And I mean, this, such ridiculous uh, comments tell us that we have a more fundamental problem. And I think he has just brought it to the fore. What do you think the proper uh, governmental uh, and um, citizen response should have been to the sign um, uh, plastered on an overpass in Los Angeles. Do you think the the reaction to that act was uh, sufficient? Look, <clears throat> until we root it out and until we get to those not only who engage in it, but who are behind it, this is a group that is engaged in, I think it's called the Gallium Defense League, uh, yeah. who have been engaged in these kind of activities for a long time. They are protected by free speech to a degree, but when it comes to incitement, when it comes to uh, fomenting hatred and violence, potential violence, then they cross the line. But did you so hear this, about any reaction from out there? Did you hear anything about local officials or Jewish community leaders? Like, I'm just curious if you, because obviously we're 3,000 miles away, I'm just curious if you heard about any reaction to it. I did not hear of specific reactions, except that it was publicized and it was highlighted. And right. there were, yes, there were some comments where they said that when, when you see um, white anti-Semites joining a black anti-Semite to support a black anti-Semite, though they hate blacks in other instances. They hate everybody, uh, right? They hate everybody, exactly. They do. Um, so those comments were made. But, you know, what, what the danger is, and you know that I've said this for many years, is that we keep raising the bar on what we will tolerate, that we are the ones who give license because, as we did in Mitzrayim, we kept saying more bricks and, and accepting the, the restrictions that uh, Paro was uh, imposing. And it was only when we said no more, we're not going to take it anymore, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, now you're ready to be redeemed because you got to be free psychologically before you're free physically. And we become enslaved to some of these things and we begin to accept it and at, at higher and higher levels saying, well, it's not as bad as, and it's not, that's why the Ben and Jerry's fight wasn't the most serious issue in the world. 
um, whether you know they could sell the certain brand of ice cream right. in in the territories, but it was a, a message. It was you got to draw the line, and whether it's corporate America, whether it's academic America, whether it's the United Nations, we just have to draw the line and say no more. We would not. <clears throat> we did this against the Soviet Union in the seventies, and we do. We must do it today, and we we will. We must show that we will not tolerate it, that we will hold our elected officials accountable, the police accountable, that when incidents occur and you have hundreds of incidents and one prosecution, one prosecution, guys spend one night in jail for all of these events. That's there's something really wrong with that. Um, I'll move on in a second. I just want to say one other thing. I'm curious if you agree. Uh the the uh, our community especially the youth in our community has gotten better at engaging regarding these issues on social media but i think sometimes we have to remind people in our community that the battleground is not always online with him with a celebrity like him it might be much more effective online frankly because you know he's in the middle of, he's the center of attention of the entire social media sphere but you know there are times when you know local action and hitting the streets and speaking to public officials and making your voice heard especially those you know rabbinic leaders and governmental leaders out there where where that old style old fashioned uh, system still needs to be implemented. That's why I asked specifically about the reaction out there. Well, <clears throat> what is the reaction to the New York Times after their blasphemous articles against yeshivas, which can be criticized, but not in the way that they're doing it, right. and the singling out and the constant harping on this thing, which re, which does create a reaction, and people who read it and say, well, it's the New York Times said it, yeah. which is already evidence that it's not true, but that's a harder case to make. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 you're right. You know what? We have to name and shame. And people don't want to be labeled. And I think we have to be very careful who we call an anti-Semite. I heard one commentator on a, a major station in New York, a talk station, and uh, somebody who I don't think is, I think he's friendly to Jews and his comments are always good, but very tolerant on this issue. All of a sudden he starts giving these long uh, expositions about well, Kanye West, without one word of condemnation, without one word of of uh, rebuke, he not that he condoned it, but but if you don't condemn it, and you start making it an academic discussion, should he be? Should his music be banned? Should this be banned? Should that be banned? That already changes the whole nature of the reaction, and you yeah. you 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 modify it when instead. I think what happened with the business community and others uh, that uh, isolated him and, and even at great cost, and I think Adidas does deserve some of the reaction. I know there's one yeshiva that is uh, collecting money to buy Adidas products to give to <laughs> poor people. Wow, interesting. But it is a message. Um, I, I, and also, by the way, the you know we have to understand that in a 24-hour news cycle, the speed with which this, you know, went viral, went international, was running rampant, and the reaction to it, etc. You know, if 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 uh, if uh, dangerous episodes to the Jewish community, you know, took days, weeks, months, or years to materialize in the past, we now see how quickly it could happen. It's in nanoseconds. So Hitler months to spread the big lie. Yep. Today, because of the internet, it's nanoseconds, and once it's out there, you can't you can't repeal it. You can't call it back. You can erase this that particular message, maybe, but the it's indelible. It's there and it remains, and the poison is in the system, and we see it now. and And you see the reaction to Jewish candidates around the country. 
have reported increased anti-Semitic uh, responses and, and reactions. Uh, at the same time, there are Jewish candidates in places where there are very few Jews. So it's a, it's it's not a blanket condemnation of American society, but the tolerance of intolerance and the and the and specifically when it comes to Jew hatred is something that should be of concern to everybody, and we have to act on it by legislating, by condemning, by shaming, by publicly uh, enlisting the support of other groups towards that end. Malcolm Holmline is with us. What do we think of uh, United Kingdom's brand-new Prime Minister, Rishi Sunak? He's... uh, um, it's a remarkable development because they, they're trying to compete with Israel to have as many prime ministers <laughs> in a short period of time as possible. But the, he is a, he is pro-Israel. He's very good relationship with the Jewish community. Very smart. Uh, comes from a, a very successful Indian family. And um, now we have to give him a chance and see how he succeeds. But but he is somebody who may just open an embassy in Jerusalem. Be, oh, that's right, because he's made statements in the past about it. That's right. They own the land. You know, Britain owns the land in Jerusalem. Right. Uh, this should be interesting, although we know how many candidates in the United States made that pledge over the years and never followed <laughs> through. It'll be interesting to see if he actually follows through. I forgot he had a statement in his past like that, uh, pro-moving the uh, the embassy. Um so, okay, we've alluded to it already. We know there's a big day in Israel on Tuesday, and that's Election Day. Uh, they don't have early voting there, right, or do they? Do, we, do they have early voting there like we have here now? I don't even know. But no, only only for diplomats abroad uh-huh. can vote uh, and there's no absentee ballot. Oh, that's there's right. No... People always flew back from here to go vote. Right. That's right. So the uh, first one to vote was the ambassador in New Zealand who put out a picture. Because <laughs> he, he voted on a Saturday night, which was already the next day every, in, in New Zealand. But they, they, they're the only ones who voted. I wonder, I wonder who was winning after he cast his ballot. Um, so it's uh, it's funny. You know, deadlock here. Everyone's talking about the Senate and the House and uh, you know how close things are. Obviously, deadlock in Israel. I don't know if today things look any more likely that anybody could form a government. Depends who you read. You know, BB's forming a government. He's got 61. Uh, and the left has made, you know, uh, uh, arrangements before Tuesday's uh, election behind the scenes. And they're going to be able to form a majority. Is there any way to predict what's going to happen Tuesday? Right now, no. I think any intelligent observer uh, has to be skeptical because the people tradition is that the polls are usually considerably off and as much as they're professional, they show trends. But right now when it's so close, uh, you know, with uh, some of the parties shooting up in numbers, people, when they go into the booth though, they often reconsider how they're going to vote. It's true here too. But I think, you you know, it's, it's, if most people say to me that the outcome will be a sixth election, uh, that would be very regrettable, and there's no reason to believe that you know doing something different and and ex- you know the same thing over and over mm-hmm. again, expecting a different outcome, is the definition of of insanity. Well, it's insane to believe that another election is going to make a difference. So I think it's going to depend on the turnout. The latest uh, reports are that 70% of the Arabs say they're going to vote. That will be a big difference. We have to see what the turnout is in. Uh, certain areas to see what the the, the um, impact will be of smaller parties, whether they make the threshold or not. And will the Ben Gvir Smutrich party really end up with uh, 12, 13, 14 seats? It's, it's all up in the air. 
And, you know, I mean, it's funny. I was discussing on the air that, you know, we, we won't be on the air uh, discussing uh, the weekly update next week because I'll be at my future son-in-law's Ufruf, please God. But I don't even know the value of discussing things after the election next week because the likelihood is that somebody, whether it's Netanyahu, Lapid, or whoever, is going to be granted permission at some point to start forming a government by the president. And then this whole dance will begin. So those who think that Tuesday night or Wednesday morning, we're going to have a clue as to what's going to you know, be happening in terms of the political future in Israel, that's unrealistic. Oh, of course. Uh, first of all, until they finish the count, right. and with all the, the the soldiers and everything, and when it's very close election, those those votes loom large. You you will see a trend. You you will get a, an idea pretty quickly uh, if there is something that goes counter to the polls, meaning that there's a surge for Netanyahu, a surge for Lapid, somebody, uh, Gantz does better than people think, uh, and therefore the whole negotiations process will be a very different one as to who has leverage. So uh, you're right. And and uh, the president, I think, has a week or so to, to meet with them, uh, or actually it's, it's a longer period, but they have a month then to try and form a government. They can extend it then for a little longer. Right. And then, you know, so this, this could drag easily into December uh, before we have a formation. Somebody has a government, or we know that Nobody has a government. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio around the world, the web, and NachumSiegel.com, and the NachumSiegel Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Uh, so I've heard already, I, I did this as, a, as just for my personal curiosity, because obviously we're reaching way beyond the New York, New Jersey area these days, and I have heard either via email, the app, or WhatsApp from seven different states this morning from different listeners. Just an example of what's going on. And I bring this up because people have to understand in this country that a week from Tuesday is Election Day here in the United States. We know how tight things are in so many races in so many states. And our community, no matter where people might be, can make a very big difference. I'll turn to you for the next half a minute, if you don't mind, to remind everybody all around this country that our community can make a major difference in these elections. If you don't vote, don't complain. That's it. If you if you don't make that minimal investment, that gesture of going to the polling booth, and you can do it in many places with early voting. Yep. So no excuse that you're busy that day or you have a wedding or you have something else that day. You, you have to be there. You have to vote. The numbers count. Many of the races will be determined by very small amounts and, you know, the future direction of the country, whichever way you want it to go. But your voice counts and, and matters. And if we if, in fact, you know, off your elections are usually determined meaning non-presidential years, by a very small number of voters. Right. I anticipate that the turnout will be higher than people think this election, only because, uh, you know, there's a lot of the hype. But the, um, you know, a lot of the races in New York are going to be very close. A lot of the races around the country are going to be very close. And people just have to get out and vote and, and take your kids, educate them, show them the importance in your commitment and, and um I hope that uh, people will research before they vote and think about what the consequences of who they're voting for will be. Now is the time to hold the incumbents and uh, and the other candidates, um, hold their feet to the fire, folks, and to hear what they have to say about issues important to us, make a decision and make a good decision. And remember, everybody around the country, Election Day here in the United States, a week from Tuesday, 
As Malcolm says, make sure to vote, make your voices heard, tell your uh, family members, friends, everybody, and those rabbinic leaders out there, please remind your congregations about the importance of getting out to the polls. What do we know about the meetings between the leaders, uh, President Herzog and President Biden this week? They went very well. I, I was in Washington. I saw President Herzog, uh, and I actually even saw President Biden when I was at the meetings in the White House. Um, the uh, I think that the president, uh, you know, was reciprocating the visit he paid to President Herzog, who gave him the Medal of uh, I don't know Medal of Honor, I guess, and um, they discussed a number of things. The president has come out and said that he believes the discussions on the JCPOA uh, are are really not happening, and I, that's the same message that I got from several people in the administration assuring me that there are no negotiations going on right now and that with the events in Iran, the sale of the drones to Russia, the an involvement in the Ukraine uh, conflict, and the uh, as well as the ongoing issues about their nuclear program, that right now there is no basis for, for any talks. And I don't think Iran is, is that interested. They're pursuing other uh, venues and, and uh, pursuits right now, uh, but the 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 president also I think um, uses an opportunity to praise the Lebanon Accord, which was signed this week, right. and um, you know it was very warm and fuzzy uh, all around. I was surprised. But there are issues. I was surprised. That he raised. I was surprised he brought up the whole Ukraine, the pressure that Israel's under to provide <clears throat> weapons to the Ukraine. Isn't that more the role of the prime minister to talk about? foreign policy decisions like that. I don't remember the president ever, uh, the president of Israel ever delving into those types of areas. Am I wrong about that? Have presidents in the past discussed governmental policies on a public stage like that? It's an interesting point, but I think that that uh, the government, uh, you know, what he did, and, and he's an activist president. Look right. at his travels. He's yeah. been all over the world. He's been doing things that um, – previous presidents didn't necessarily do, but, you know, that he, he is good at it and he's, he's liked uh, and makes a good presentation. And this issue, I think, was particularly appropriate and timely because of the efforts by people, including uh, Zelensky at times, to criticize Israel and to, to make demands of Israel and people in the administration saying Israel's not done enough, when in fact Israel has done much more than 99% of the countries in the world Israel is still a small country. Israel does have Russia on its borders, but, but it is now providing uh, very sensitive information and intelligence sharing. So Zelensky made a more positive comment. But I, I think it's an unfair in the demand about the Iron Dome and making that the critical issue when, in fact, Iron Dome is probably not even appropriate because it's made for short-range missiles. And it takes a year to prepare people. You've got to train them. You've got to ship them the equipment. And Israel doesn't have spare things when they're facing Hezbollah and, and uh, Hamas and all the other threats. But beyond that, they also are sending them an early warning system. That's in addition to the nobody else set up hospitals there. And uh, the president makes the point that the most of the volunteers that you see in in um, in, in, in uh, Ukraine were, were speaking Hebrew because they sent in so many people to help, and they took in thousands, tens of thousands of people from Ukraine, much more than most of the countries that are criticizing it. And I think it's it's really outrageous and and um, and damaging when I hear 
you know, leading even conservative commentators saying, well, Israel, they should know they suffered a genocide and they should be there. Yes, Israel was there immediately and spent hundreds of millions of dollars in, in, in equipment that was sent. They sent, um, you know, uh, vests, the special vests to protect and, and helmets and other equipment that, uh, you know, for which they get absolutely no credit. And I think the president raising it was important because we need to clarify it. I actually pushed for him to say to, to talk about it. Interesting, because I read it differently. I read it that there's such confusion now as to who the real leader of Israel is, right? Then nobody can name the prime minister, and nobody knows who's going to be the prime minister now with this election coming up on Tuesday. Uh, there's such a confusion at the top of Israeli politics, Israeli government, that I thought he uses that void uh, to sort of fill that void. He used the opportunity to sort of fill that void and and uh, and and realize that he has the potential to now you know drift more into governmental policy representing Israel because Israel. Really no nobody else is taking a real leadership position at this time that's a very interesting observation and i wonder how much it really played in in uh, israel i mean it didn't make headlines here that much it it, it did make headlines in israel on the, on the day of the meeting and i you know it got coverage and he had a bunch of reporters with him um uh, but it's it's not the same thing as often when prime ministers came and there were discussions, in-depth right. discussions on policy issues right. that, you know, really were more, were vital. But I do think that it, it helps in terms of Israel's image. He, had, he got invited, as you know, by Shumir and Pelosi to address the joint session of Congress for Israel's 75th anniversary, which will be important. And I think, you know, those are all beneficial aspects. He spoke at the Atlanta Council. He spoke to other groups. While he was here, and and you know he makes a good impression, and that that is very valuable right now. Yeah, did you uh, were you suspicious of the timing of that invitation with the midterms coming up, or I'm being too cynical? Because it's not going to that won't happen. The actual speech won't happen. I'm assuming till the first half of 2023, right? Yeah, that's it's not. It, I think it was you know they had to do something relevant, and the president <laughs> extended invitation, and now they extend an invitation. I think the gesture is important that any time. An Israeli leader gets a chance to speak to a joint session. It strengthens U.S.-Israel ties. It can become a rallying point, and I think highlighting Israel 75 in any way we can is important. Oh, yeah, I agree. Um, so, I, I mean, I don't think there's a political payoff so much in this. Yeah, I got that. Um, just, you know, reading more into it than than, than uh, most people do. <laughs> um, the... Uh, the, the the lack of leadership or however you want to paint it, maybe I'm doing being a, a bit too harsh when I say it like that. Um, we see what's happening in Yudan Shomron. We see what's happening with attacks in Yerushalayim and other places, and we see that uh, it, it, it doesn't seem to be letting up. And, of course, the other side is now using the quote-unquote Israel blockade in Yudan Shomron, quote-unquote the Israeli blockade, uh, to try to win points politically around the world. Um, is this, in fact, a, a, a problem with leadership in the, uh, in the state of Israel? Is it because there's an election coming up right now, and often before an election you'll see a rise in violence? How do you view what's happening in this arena? I think it's essential that Israel take the steps necessary to stop early on these kind of assaults. We know what it leads to if you let this cancer grow and you let a group like the, quote, Lion's Den group that now turns itself in because of the pressure that Israel brought to bear. And they went to the PA, four of them at least, but after a number of them have been eliminated or, or caught, um, they were engaging in constant attacks. No society can, can tolerate that, should tolerate it. And you can't just say because there's an election or, or 
you know, people skeptical of it. If, in fact, there is an immediate threat that has to be addressed, regardless of what the calendar uh, says. Are there cynical voices? Of course, but I don't think that that is uh, the case. The the um, number of incidents that uh, and and the fact that they were using weapons uh, and escalating it. We know that uh, there's always the threat of another intifada or something of that kind. I don't think. Uh, the PA wants it. I, I know Israel doesn't want it. And so far, you haven't seen popular support uh, except reaction to, to uh, some of when the troops go into the city. You see uh, people coming and running to the sites of the clashes, but you don't see the, the support as we saw sometimes in the past. And we have to prevent that from happening by nipping it in the bud. Uh, and the enemy, in terms of you know, often using election time to ramp things up. Do you think that that's a big factor now or not? Yeah, that, that that's I, their intention. I, I don't think it's going to sway the election. I don't. I don't think that it will. But they take advantage always of opportunities like this. They certainly do. Um, Iran is uh, is more in the headlines than than even last week. The protests seem to be getting even larger. And larger, and unfortunately, sometimes more deadly in terms of the response to the protests. Do you think that these the demonstrations, these protests, are going to uh, get the Iranian people to the ultimate goal? I do believe they potentially could. It's not. It's going to take time. This is not an instant process when it comes to to, to uh, Iran. But uh, you see already the impact that it's had. That we've had um, Iran. Uh, in Iran, more than 9 million people have participated in the demonstrations. They're right. taking place in thousands of different locations. It's spreading in the, in the uh, different uh, sectors now, the storekeepers, the, tr- the truck drivers, the schools. The, every day there's another group that joins, and the 40th anniversary was yesterday. Um, the 40th anniversary of the, of the killing of the, the woman and the uh, beginning of these demonstrations, and it made tremendous progress. They sustained it much longer and much broader than people thought. It's being done very intelligently. Again, it's not going to be a coup one day with the masses going in there. This is something that has to build up. But we see that the IOGC and many of the soldiers are not willing to join in shooting uh, the people. And when they have, you know, 1,500, 1,800 different places, uh, going on at the same time, and you don't have the soldiers to really cover all of them. So there have been uh, reactions. We know that they've arrested uh, 70,000 people. There have been uh, hundreds of people killed, uh, but also security forces that have been killed in, in some of the exchanges. People seized about 800, 900 weapons from guards. And uh, it, within the, the level of dissent, within the establishment, both the Supreme Leader, the IRGC, other groups, is rising all the time. And it, this, is, this is not, um, this is being done in a very sophisticated way by the, by the demonstrators. The West has to get in there and help more Europeans, more sanctions, U.S. imposed sanctions this week. We have to do much more. We have to name the people. And there are ways we can do it. There is a, there is a GoFundMe page for uh, to help the people, the demonstrators and others, and people can get it. I will get it to you, and you can give it to people. That there are very important. Uh, 
this is a very important moment. And what you see Iran's involvement in Ukraine, you see that what they're doing um, and not even caring about the negotiations uh, because they, they see their, their future in other directions. And, and the fact that, that we've seen realignments of China, Russia, Iran, uh, North Korea, others, th- these are not insignificant developments for the future. And Iran is critical in this, and it shows the people of Iran do not support this radical regime, and we have to do more to to um, to support them. Tough to topple a radical regime when they've got the military and they've got security personnel on their side. It's a, it's a tough battle. But not when those people are not willing, many of them are not willing to join in. Many of them are looking at potential war crimes charges and don't want to be named. Many of the Basiji, for instance, they identified them and their families and went and demonstrated, in fact, in front of the parents' home and said, we will hold you to account. And all of a sudden, all those Basijis came home. So they started shifting them to different cities where they thought they wouldn't be identified. But in fact, they still uh, have been able to identify them. And the, to you know, they arrested many people uh, all over, but it doesn't diminish it. And they took the 40 women that they said were leaders to to Tehran, and the women said that they're going to be they might be hung, and they're calling for public uh, response to it. The, um, the you know the, the the people thought this would dissipate much more. We're not doing enough to stop the oil exports. We should be imposing more and more restrictions uh, and they can bypass it and that still fuels their their uh, the government's uh, activities. Um, and, you know, we just have to see that the um, and that this is a message also because of, for Israel, for the, what they use with the drones, how they can swarm them and Israel has to develop means to counter that as well and our developing swarm um, the drones, meaning that you saturate a place when you know they're around to, to eliminate them. Their drones are almost useless. They're very slow. They're very heavy. They're plotting so that you can shoot them down with you know with rifles when they when they come. But you have to get them, and they do do damage. And and the Russians are, are clearly using them. Is there any member of Congress, House or Senate, that's really keeping the demonstrations, you know, at the forefront uh, in Washington? Is there anybody that's really taken up the cause that you're aware of, or they're just whatever the media is covering? The media is covering. I'm just wondering if they have a fighter in Washington, you know, who's keeping this at the forefront on the agenda. Well, there are members of that Foreign Relations Committee who have been speaking about it pretty regularly. Is there anybody who's championing it? That's a good question. Okay. I have to think about it more. Um, Iraq has approved their, approved their new government. Does this matter? Does it bring any more stability to the region? No. First of all, Iran, as you know, still plays a very important role, dominant role. The people of Iraq reject it, but the government, you know, only controls certain parts of the country, and you have uh, still the Iran using it as a base, both for Syria and for uh, potentially as a base to attack Israel. Uh, so it's not um, – we want stability in Iraq, and if they're willing to stand up, if their leaders are willing to stand up to the Iranian presence, as Bani Fader did and others did recently, that would be very important. And uh, is it fair for Egypt to blame its economic collapse on the Ukraine-Russian war? Well, it's because they're so dependent on the Russia-Ukraine for the uh, wheat and the imports that they require – you know, it's a huge country. It's growing by a million babies every nine months. It's um, it's a poor country in in many respects, um, historically and otherwise very rich. But uh, they need the import, and when the price has gone up so much, 
it has it takes a heavy toll. Um, the um, Israel is trying to help it with the energy sector and other ways involving Egypt. People recognize that the stability of Egypt is critical to the region, and therefore, hopefully, will others will step in. But there is assistance being given to Egypt by some of the Arab countries, and certainly Israel is very concerned. Uh, Malcolm, I thank you. Next week, uh, oh, big, big week in Chicago next week. Aside from Eitan Zuckerman Zofrov, it's also the uh, first post-COVID GA for the Federation, right? For Jewish Federations. If they are having a GA, it's a scaled-down one, but it's a yes, they're meeting in Chicago. There you go. And uh, see that. And then we got the big simcha in Chicago. My gosh, the center That's of the, the United. That's the more important story. <laughs> the center of the United States is the focal point of next <laughs> week. Amazing. Uh, we'll keep everyone up to date regarding the schedule for the weekly update, and I look forward to celebrating with you at the big simcha. And have a wonderful Shabbos and. Uh, and we will speak we will. whenever we speak. That's Malcolm Holmline, Executive Vice, I should say, Vice Chairman, Conference of Presidents, Major American Jewish Organizations, with us Friday, 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time at the Weekly Update. I know, everybody, it's the... Uh, the ad, between the out-of-town uh, Ufruf and the um, and the timing of the wedding, uh, we may be off a couple of weeks with the weekly update, but obviously we'll update everybody and let everyone know what's going on here at JM in the AM. Uh, Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. If you're in Israel, don't forget Election Day is coming up. Tuesday is officially Election Day. If you are in the United States, don't forget a week from Tuesday is Election Day. And no matter where you're voting, and no matter who you're voting for, it's important to vote. Get out there and vote. And we'll see what happens in Israel, and we'll see what happens with the uh, House and the Senate races here in the United States, plus some governor races, as we know, especially in New York. And uh, that's one of the ones that we are uh, watching carefully. And uh, other races as well. There's, uh, As Malcolm said, there's a lot more interest in this election this year than in most uh, non-presidential election years. Uh, I want to thank those who are commenting on the app. I, I was going to ask Malcolm about Adidas, and I just, um, I'd gotten off the Kanye topic by the time I saw the... Uh, uh, the comment, but yeah, the the Nazi ties to Adidas. I'm I'm completely confused about that. Not sure what the reality is, uh, but there have been a lot of articles about that over the last few days since this whole brouhaha began. Uh, we did get to one of the Schlockrock selections for Parshas Noach. Come round, he's making a boat. We did that earlier, just looking at some of the app comments here at JMN. And AJA Carpool number 204 is excited. It's the Parshas Noach Kiddish. They've got rainbow cake, dove chocolates, animal crackers, wafers for the kids to build a Migdal Bavel, a bottle of rum. Oh, of rum. That's funny. A bottle of Rum, Avram, and if, right, Avram, and of course the one that started all the mobble cake. Listen to Daniel. Make sure that all the classics and all the modern editions are being included in the big Parshas Noach Kiddush. This time each every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader emeritus, congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good morning, Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Noach. Wow. As I said with Bereshis last week, we're off and running, meaning that we covered the first thousand years of civilization, creation, from last week, from Adam to Noach. This week in Parshas Noach, we have the second thousand years starting with Noah and ending with Avraham Avinu. There is so much to talk about in this parsha. 
Let's just remember that there are no formal mitzvos of the Tariyag. However, there's always so much to learn from the surface and, please God, from beneath the surface. The first part of the parasha deals with the door Hamabul, the generation of the flood, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu had to bring a flood to destroy civilization because there was a breakdown of man to man. Vatimaleya Oretz Chamas, there was immorality, there was violence, and this is not an environment where Hashem could have his Shechina in the community. And the towards the end of the parasha, we have the Migdal Bavel, the tower of Bavel that they attempted to build a tower up to the heavens to do battle with Hashem. And since there was brotherhood, unity between man, Hashem did not destroy that civilization, did not destroy that people. He dispersed them. Interestingly, the rabbis tell us, let's remind ourselves of the first word of the Torah, Bereshis, for the Torah, for the Jewish people that are both referred to as Rashis. Did Hashem create the world? Had the entire world been just as we're told in the beginning of chapter 11, Devorim achadim, Safa achas, one language, one thinking, they were all thinking along the lines of idolatry. Avram Avinu could not come on the scene. However, now that Hashem dispersed them, different languages, people were open towards other ideas. Hence, like the Rambam says, Avram Avinu was able to now have and accrue thousands, tens of thousands of students. And finally, as the Drushas Haran says, this was a portent of world history that when and if Lo'alenu, Jews were persecuted, unwanted, expelled from one location, there always would be another location to let them in. So, as we find by Yaakov Avinu, the other camp would have a place for survival. I'd like to share with you this morning a beautiful idea of Rav Chaim Shmulevitz, Zechat Sadik Levracha, the Rosh Yeshiva of the Mir Yeshiva, whose Shmuzin on the Torah were printed posthumously in his Sichos Musar, whereby in the second part of the Sefer, the fifth Ma'amar, entitled Tevas Noach, he shares some very beautiful insights. So to appreciate this, 
we begin with a Rashi at the end of Parshas Bereshis. This is the last verse in chapter 5. The Torah tells us when Noah was 500 years, then he fathered Shem, Chom, and Yafes. And Rashi on this spot brings Rabbi Yudin. I wish it was my great-grandfather, but it is Rabbi Yehuda in the Rishalmi and in the Medrash. So Rabbi Yehuda taught the following. What's the reason that all the generations that are mentioned in yesteryear had children at and around the age of one or two hundred, while Noah did not have children until he was 500 years. And the answer is that Hashem reasoned the following. If his children are going to be Rishoim, wicked, then they will be destroyed in the waters of the flood. And this would be exceedingly painful for Noah, the righteous man. And if they were Tzadikim, Noah's children, who are going to be righteous, then it's going to be a tircha, a bother for him to have to construct many arks to save the many generations of his descendants. And therefore, Hashem literally suppressed and prevented Noah from having children. He made him infertile and he did not have children until 500 years. Okay, now ask Sir Chaim Shmulevitz, on the surface, this is, quote, not okay. What do you mean? That if they were righteous, it would be a tircha. All the fathers and mothers listening know that what won't a parent do for their child? To save a child? Come on. Noah would hire other people and the children themselves would participate in building as many arks as we need. Why did Hashem insist that the divine plan would be there'd be only one ark? And that one ark, everybody should realize, was exceedingly miraculous. What does that mean? The Ramban writes that ten arks could not house all the animals, all the food for the eight people for a year. So technically speaking, even though it was, and the Torah gives the dimensions for us to think, whoa, it was 300 amos, 450 feet long, one and a half Lahavdal football fields. Oh my goodness, that's big. Ten arcs, if you think how many different species of birds and animals there are, ten arcs couldn't house. Oh my goodness. So if that's the case, I always ask, why not a rowboat? And you're going to laugh and say, oh come on, a rowboat? The answer is, it could have been a rowboat. But if it would have been a rowboat, everybody would admit, okay, you win, that's a miracle. The fact that it was... 300 hamos, ooh, that's big, 
people have that choice to either say, come on, a boat saved them, or clearly it was only the Yad Hashem. The thesis that Rabbi Chaim Shmulevitz builds is that it had to be built by Noah because Noah infused, didn't only build, as the Torah teaches us, an ark made of gopher wood, but he infused his Mesirash Nefesh. Noah went against the tide. They were all violent, immoral. Noah was that Ish Tzadik, he was and had incredible Mesiras Nefesh. What does that mean? Noah studied Torah. How do we know? The Torah says that Noah was to take from the Behemoth Torah and She'enot Hora. He had to know the animal would split hooves, the animal that chews its cud. Noah was not just a mensch, he studied Torah. Noah had to infuse into the ark these qualities. Ah, once there was this is Oruso de la Sato, once there was this infusion of man's bringing to the ark his spiritual qualities, then and only then did Hashem cause these miracles to happen. And he brings three historical substantiations to this thesis. One, he says, let's remember everybody the story of Elisha Hanavi who revives the son of the Isha Hashunamis. This is in Malachim Beis, the second book of Kings, chapter 4, Pasuk 29. When the woman comes and runs and says to him, Oy, 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 my son, he's dead. Elisha gives Kechazi, his servant, and says, immediately go, don't stop and talk to anybody. Take my staff, put it on the young child, and he will come to life. Kechazi defies his master's orders. Instead of going and rushing and speaking to nobody, whoever he met on the way, hey, you know what this staff is? This staff is going to revive the dead. Well, because unfortunately he did just that, the Radak tells us, watch, on that verse in chapter 4, Pasuk 29, Zesha Omalo, the fact that he was told by his master not to speak to people, Kedei Shaloyis Akev Baderech, and that he should focus and not be delayed, and listen carefully, we're told in Pirkei Drebelaza that unfortunately, Kechazi found this to be one big joke, one big exciting thing. Anybody that he met, do you really believe? Do you believe that this is going to happen? Therefore, it didn't work. What does that mean? The power 
that Elisha put into it was removed. But we see that there is that spiritual power that man can put and invest into a material object. The second proof comes from the Gemara Numa 38a, whereby we find Nicanor goes to Alexandria to bring back doors for the base Hamigdash. And there's a storm on the way back from Egypt to Israel, and the storm threatened the boat. They threw overboard one of these doors. They're about to throw the other one. Gechazi, I'm sorry, excuse me. Nicanor holds on with all his might to the door and said, if you throw the door in, you're throwing me too. The storm stopped. When they get to Akko in Israel, to the port, miraculously, the door that was thrown overboard came up from underneath the boat. It floated the entire time. How did it happen? The incredible Mesiras Nefesh that Nicanor put into the door infused it with spirituality, which gave the ability to float. Finally, his third proof comes from the book of Shmuel, Aleph, chapter 2, verse 19, we, where we are taught that Hannah, Shmuel's mother, made for him a small garment. Now listen carefully. This is where it says, Umi'il koton taselo imo. A small vest, or even others say, kapata, did his mother make for him. Now listen carefully. The Radak says, this is not something that a small child uses, but because of her love for him, she gave this to him. According to some, she took it back and brought it to him for each of the Chagim. But the Yalkut Shimoni goes on to teach us that this vest or kapata grew with him fulfilling the miracle which occurred in the desert, that their clothing grew with them. And I quote the Yalkut Shimoni in Shmuel, Remez Kuflamites, that this Me'il, Godal, it grew with him, Ubo Nikbar, and he was buried in it. What's the idea? All Hannah's tears, all her tefillos, all her love that she had for this child was invested into this garment and this helped Shmuel become the person that he was, a man of love, a man of kindness. And therefore teaches Parshas Noach that the Teva had to be built by Noach because only he was able to invest into the Teva, Tocho Ratzov Ahavot. Just like the Beis Migdash, the foundation was love, the foundation of the Ark was love.
teaching us that we can infuse into our dining room tables Mesiras Nefesh by inviting those who are lonely, those who are needy to our table, by investing into our children the concepts of Mesiras Nefesh for Torah and mitzvot, we're able to upgrade the quality of life by infusing Baruch Hashem, Ruchnius, special spirituality into making this world a much better place. Shabbat Shalom to all.
And one spoken language After the flood life should be swelled But instead the people came Had to fight with God again They decided to build a tower in Babel Yes, Nimrod, sir? We have a job to do We can't stop I'm going for the ultimate glory I'm talking a war with God And we'll fight You'll see The bricks, hurry up! What have we here? I see one single nation Unfazed, attracted, they all gel. Want to fight with God somehow? This he will not allow. They'll be trying to destroy God in Babel. Build more today. One thousand stories. Build more today. This is our life. I need more bricks. Don't make it fancy. We must wage war on God in this life. A report from Bavel. <laughs> It's for me. I will be ruler of the world tomorrow. We're holding steady. Now don't let me down. Have you got enough glue? <laughs> Look at this tower today. Out of sight. And tomorrow, almost done. Almost done? Then we will really fight. Well, then let's savor it. Keep the pieces. Building at night cannot fail. We will be very wise. Put the finishing touch and it's war. Yes, sir. We will not desist. <laughs> well, thank you. And get me some more mud. Now we all know what God would have to do here. They were not sad when people fell. But they cried till they were sick If they dropped just one small brick Cause only one thing mattered in Babel Oh, and they weren't lazy They worked so hard all night for free That's what was so God came down yonder and he ended their duty And mixed their language up as well They could talk and they could prod But you know you can't fight God So everyone dispersed at once Yes, everyone dispersed at once Yes, everyone dispersed at once, Baba Well, you gave it your best shot, Nimrod. You were the greatest warrior in the whole world. I know. No being alive could come close to beating you. <laughs> But God, that's another matter. I know, it's true. 
Seems in hindsight we should have followed that Abraham. You mean follow his orders? He's the chosen one. The one who came out of the fire. But he's... The one who God loved the most. I know, but... Now we are just one of the rest. And do we want to be one of the rest? No, of course. I mean, the Jews, but... Right from that moment there has been Mesora. The first exiled was there as well. Out of this locality came the Talmud called Bavli. The oral Torah came right from Babel. I'm sure you know when we are worthy, Mashiach comes, we'll hear the root. We will not part from speaking Hebrew. Every other language will be in the shoot. Racha! Parsha! When are they praying? Shandy! Kenya! Ophir! Ponero! Pray for me too! We must get God back into our life. It's time to get along. He's no more strife. We're living in a world of change and ritual. First come the pains when we all yell. With God's pity, no more sin. Mashiach's coming in. But get along inside this world. Our duty is to get along. Learn our lessons straight from old. J.M. in the A.M. with Schlockrock and Bavel here on a Friday morning Arab Shabbos. I'm wondering how many Arab Shabbos Parshas Noachs we've played that over the years here at J.M. in the A.M. Good morning. Welcome to a, uh, a Friday morning. Thanks for joining us. It is Arab Shabbos Parshas Noach, of course. Big shout out to our friends at A&H. Abel's and Hyman has incredibly delicious meat. So many varieties. Incredible hot dogs. Uh, Shlamey Ash has a favorite. The next time Shlamey's on this show, I'm going to ask him about his favorite um, hot dog variety from A&H. And I'll tell you, he will give us a, uh, a nice, uh, long explanation of how that specific variety of A&H hot dog became his favorite. That I could tell you. Uh, anyway, you go to your supermarket today, Kosher Supermarket, and you will see incredible display of A&H products. Make sure to bring some some home for your family. Go to kosherdogs.net. Enjoy a 10% discount with promo code radio and try A&H today. Uh, Rabbi Steve Moskowitz, I want to give him a special shout-out this morning from all of us here at JM&A. It was amazing seeing him last night at the wedding of Andrea and Rabbi Chaim. Just incredible. We had such a uh, wonderful time, and we were surrounded by so many fantastic friends, and he was among them. And I'm giving him a special shout-out. Who knows? Maybe he's tuned in this morning. Hey, Coach and Ruby, thank you so much for that beautiful comment and Mazal Tov. Yes, yes, yes. We, cont- we should continue to share smachot with all of our wonderful listeners who are our family. A big shout-out again to Rabbi Klibanoff, and a big thank you to him for hosting me in his um, Riding with the Rabbi segment. Um, and again, a special shout-out to Congregation Eitz Chaim in Livingston. I can't say enough. Cannot say enough about them. Uh, such amazing friends, such great supporters in so many different ways. And it's so appreciated. JM and AM Friday morning. Next Friday, uh, we will have one of our incredible and amazing uh, staff members doing the show. I will be in Chicago for the uh, Ofrof of Eitan Zuckerman as we get set to celebrate with the Zuckerman family next Shabbos and get ready for the wedding the following week. Yonina and Eitan. Uh, and may, may this machot for everybody just keep on coming. Let them keep on coming. More coming up here at JM in the AM.
Micha Gammerman with the uh, Lael Shabbat medley here at JMM. Erev Shabbos Parshas Noach in New York. It's 5.37 candle lighting time. 5.37. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, JM in the AM. Time to say good Shabbos with journeys at JM in the AM.
Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NahumSegal.com and the NahumSegal Network, and of course, any beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing and incredible uh, Friday here at JM&AM. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, tomorrow night, Saturday night, Seagull with Avrami. Uh, on Sunday, it's Matis and JM Sunday. That's uh, 7 a.m. Eastern time, Sunday morning live with Matis. And, uh, of course, Mark Zamek and the Arab Shabbos music mix and Mark Zamek and the Arab Shabbos uh, program uh, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. That all starts at 10 a.m. this morning right here on the Nahum Siegel Network. Next week, uh, I will be in Chicago for the uh, Eitan Zuckerman Ufruf. Looking forward to it. And... Um, uh, on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, I'll brief you on the uh, schedule for the week, etc., etc. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Great weekend, everybody. Until next week, it's Nachum Segal reminding you, remember to past, live the present, and trust the future.